0: Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep. The Eater of Souls, a short story or prose poem by Henry Kuttner, first published in Weird Tales, January 1937. And um, I'm a big Henry Kuttner fan. I, I love to read his writing.
1: And uh, I assume you'd read some Henry Kuttner before, is that right? Of course. Not only as Henry Kuttner, but with his wife, C.L. Moore, as was mm-hmm. Paget. She's
0: also an excellent writer. Um, uh, I, I think this is a little gem. And uh, because it says right in the, in the editorial subtitle, it is a five-minute tale, um, I think we should read the whole thing and uh, then discuss it. Okay. All right. Here we go. The Eater of Souls by Henry Kuttner.
1: They tell it in Bel Yarnak, in a language not of Earth, that a malignant and terrible being once dwelt in that incredible abyss named the Gray Gulf of Yarnak. Not on Earth, nor on any planet that spins about any star in the skies we know of, is Bel Yarnak. But beyond Betelgeuse, beyond the giant stars, on a green and joyous world, still in its lusty youth, are the towers and silver minarets of this city, nor are the dwellers in Belyarnach anthropoid, nor in any way manlike. Yet there are fires during the long, warm nights in curious hearths, and wherever in this universe there are fires, there will be tales told about them." and breathless listeners to bring contentment to the heart of the teller of tales. The Sindara rules benignantly over Bel Yarnok, yet in the old days fear and doom lay like a shroud over the land, and in the gray gulf of Yarnok a brooding horror dwelt loathsomely, and a strange enchantment chilled the skies and hid the triple moons behind a darkened pall. For a being
0: had come to glut its evil, hunger in the land, and those who dwelt in bel called it the eater of souls. In no wise could this being be described, for none had seen it save under circumstances which precluded the possibility of return. Yet in this gulf It brooded, and when its hunger stirred, it would send forth a soundless summons, so that, in tavern and temple, by fireside in the blackness of the night, some would rise slowly, with a passionless look of death upon their features, and would depart from Belyarnac, towards the grey gulf, nor would they ever return it was said that the thing in the gulf sorry nor would they ever return it was said that the thing in the gulf was half demon and half god and that the souls of those whom it slew served it eternally fulfilling strange miss- missions in the icy wastes between the stars this being had come from the dark sun the hydromancer said where it had been conceived by an unholy alliance between those timeless ancients who filter strangely between the universes, and a black shining one of unknown origin. The necromancers said other things, but they hated the hydromancers, who were powerful then, and their rune casting was generally discredited. Yet the Sindara listened to both schools of mages, and pondered upon his throne of Chalcedony, and presently determined to set forth voluntarily to the great Gulf of Karnak, which was reputed to be bottomless.
1: The necromancers gave the Sandara curious implements made of the bones of the dead, and the hydromancers gave him intricately twisted transparent tubes of crystal, which would be useful in battling the eater of souls. Thereafter, the necromancers and the hydromancers squatted on their haunches in the city gate and howled dismally as the, as the Sindara rode westward on his Gorlock, that fleet but repugnantly shaped reptile. After a time, the Sindara discarded both the weapons of the Hydromancers and the Necromancers, for he was a worshiper of Vorvados, as had been each Sindara in his time. None might worship Vorvados save the Sindara of Beljarnak. For such is the god's command, and presently the Sindara dismounted from his Gorlock and prayed fervently to Vorvados for a time there was no response.
0: Then the sands were troubled, and a whirling and dancing of mist motes blinded the Sindara. Out of the maelstrom the god spoke thinly, and his voice was like the tinkling of countless tiny goblets,
1: uh, tiny crystal goblets. Thou goest to doom, Vorvados said ominously, but thy son sleeps in bel and I shall have a worshipper when thou art vanished. Go, therefore, fearlessly, since God cannot conquer God, but only man who created him.
0: Speaking thus cryptically, Vorvados withdrew, and the Sindara, after pondering, continued his journey. In time he came to that incredible abyss from which men say the nearer moon was born, and at its edge he fell prone and lay sick and shuddering, peering down into the mist-shrouded emptiness. For a cold wind blew up from the gulf, and it seemed to have no bottom. Looming far in the distance, he could just discern the further brink.
1: Clambering up the rough stones came he whom the Sindara had set out to find. He came swiftly, making use of his multiple appendages to lift himself. He was white and hairy and appallingly hideous, but his misshapen head came only to the Sindara's waist, although in girth his spidery limbs rendered a shocking illusion of hugeness. In his wake came the souls he had taken for his own. They were a plaintive... Whispering and stirring in the air, swooping and moaning and sighing for lost nirvana, the Sindara drew his blade and struck at his enemy.
0: Of that battle sagas are still sung, for it raged along the brink for a timeless interval of eternity. In the end, the Sindara was hacked and bleeding and spent, and his opponent was untouched and chuckling loathsomely. Then the demon prepared for
1: his meal. Into the Sandara's mind came a whisper the thin calling of Orvados. He said there are many kinds of flesh in the universes, and other compounds which are not flesh, thus doth the eater of souls feed and he told the sandara of the incredible manner of that feeding of the fusing of two beings of the absorption of the lesser and of the emergence therefrom of an augmented half-god while the uncaged soul flew moaning in the train of those who served the being into the sandara's mind came knowledge and with it a grim resolve he flung wide his arms and welcomed the ghastly embrace for Varvados had also spoken of the manner in which the doom might be lifted. The thing sprang to meet him,
0: and an intolerable agony ground frightfully within the Sandara's bone and flesh, the citadel of his being rocked and his soul cowered, shrieking in its chamber. There, on the edge of the grey gulf of Yarnak, a monstrous fusion took place, a metamorphosis, and a commingling that was blasphemous and horrible beyond all imagining as a thing disappears in quicksand so the being and the sindara melted into each other's body
1: yet even in that blinding agony A sharper pain came to the Sundara as he saw across the plain the beauty of this land over which he had ruled. He thought he had never seen anything so beautiful as this green and joyous land of his. And a pain was in his heart, a sense of empty loss and an aching void which could not ever be filled. And he looked away to the black evil eyes of the eater of souls that were but evil. Inches away from his own, and he looked beyond the being to where cold emptiness lay, grey and horrible. There were tears in his eyes and a gnawing ache in his heart for the silver minarets and towers of Bel Yarnak that had lain naked and beautiful beneath the glowing light of the triple moons, for he should never see that place any more.
0: He turned his head again, and for the last time, blinded with his tears and with his doom upon him. As he leaped forward, he heard a frightful, despairing shriek, and the half-god and man were spinning dizzily downward, seeing the precipice rushing up past them. For Vorvodos
1: had said that thus, and only thus, could the spell be lifted. And the cliff wall curved inward. As it swept down so presently, it receded into the dim gray haze, and the Sandara fell in empty mist and into final, unstirring darkness. It's a pocket epic. Ah, epic, you say? I would have said myth, but tell me more. Well,
0: it's it's got it's got you know the the monster the dragon that must be defeated. It's got a king of a kind. It's got a beautiful city. It's got this epic sort of um, you know gulf in the earth. Um, it's 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 um, science fiction and fantasy. And horror all bound up into a little tiny
1: package. I love it. I agree. It's, 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 it's so full and so rich. The, the reason I w- would have said myth rather than epic is that uh, I am reminded so strongly here of Campbell's notion of the monomyth. Where mm-hmm. we have the hero who goes and, and perhaps dies, um, but certainly goes and has a powerful, violent adventure. And it's his adventure that restores life to the land. So what we know is that the Sandara periodically weakens the land, or at least metonymically weakens the land, by calling away souls. The, the people of Belyarnok uh, walk away with their eyes blank, passionless, just zombified, Uh, walking off and no one has ever seen this thing because nobody's ever come back Uh, so the only way we know about them at all i guess is because the hydromancers and uh, necromancers have been able to be told what what's going on uh, because no one who ever sees directly the eater of souls survives and yet since every son of a sandara becomes the sandara and since the God of the Sandara has only one worshipper, in effect, the Sandara and the worshipper are as if they were two parts of the same God. So there's the Father, mm-hmm. the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And mm-hmm. when the current Sandara flings wide his arms in order to accept uh, the Eater of Souls. He's dying to redeem all of the land and the people. So this is this is that great um, monomyth uh, that we see with Jesus and with Osiris and so on. Um, it, it's gorgeous and it's all in here and it works even though we've never encountered this world before. In fact, it's beyond our knowing. We're told in the very first paragraph.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that first paragraph. There's there but there's so many rich details in every line that it is it is it's condensed and and um it's got a lot of the poetic devices that you would see in a in a regular poem that's why i'm thinking it's a prose poem of a certain kind but it is um it is it is got that science fiction uh you know it's beyond this this star we know beetlejuice it's beyond the giant stars and it is still a green and joyous world despite the in its lusty youth despite its its uh monster that lurks in a pit that nobody's seen
1: yeah it actually begins i, I must say I, I wanted to read it slowly because the language is uh, unusual and it actually begins as if it were in verse they tell it in bel yarnak in a language not of earth that a malignant and terrible being once and then it goes off dwelt in that incredible abyss named the gray gulf of yarnock but you know it, it, he doesn't that is Kuttner doesn't maintain the same rhythms that one would have expected for verse but from time to time and at the very beginning he uses those rhythms uh, there's mm-hmm. something hypnotic going on here mm-hmm. i think also uh, there are ways in which this Story connects with its readers that are a bit unusual um, and, and and worth noting. And they're in that that very first paragraph. Um, there is um, the what I would call negative description. Mm-hmm. Um, a fancy word for it in rhetorical theory these days is aporia. Aporia, the gaps that are left out. Uh, in in the ancient uh, world, the term aporia was used for um, for doubt. How shall I uh, uh, how shall I praise thee? Shall I count the the ways? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Um, what is more lovely than a summer's day? You know that kind of not knowing what's going on in order to get the reader or the listener to think of what's going on. Well. Most of the description we get in this story, and it's certainly clear in the first paragraph, we get in this negative way. Um, this is a language not of Earth, right? This is a place which we have never seen. This era, Everything is not here. Um, so not everything, but most things are, are not here. The Sundara rules benignantly over Bel I mean, what does that mean? It only means anything. If we fill these aporia, these gaps, with uh, our own understandings. So that one of the ways in which Kuttner draws us in is to make us feel that we need to construct a sense of the unknowable. Now, in general, this is a useful device, as in... Uh, How shall I, uh, you know, shall, uh, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways Uh, that how do I love thee begins, you know, gets the reader's interest. Um, But here it's used in a particularly effective way. The story is about this eater of souls, which no one has ever seen. So when the Sandara first realizes that he needs to go out to save the land, to redeem the world, um, to do what Varvados wants him to do to make Bel safe again for his own son and heir and for the people of Bel he doesn't know what he's going to see. He knows that he's not going to use the, the tools given him by the hydromancers and the necromancers, but he doesn't know what he's going to see. He doesn't know how to do what he has to do. He Is full of doubt. And so, by using this negative description, by relying on aporia, Kuttner is creating in us, the readers, the listeners, a parallel sense of doubt. So, we have Mm -hmm. this enormously strong connection with the psychological state of the main character, even though we know that he's not even anthropoid, right? He's not even a man, right? And yet, there we are. Uh, the second thing I think that we see in this first paragraph uh, as a way of getting us to to really connect with the story is that description of the fires. Even though this is a different world, there are fires and there are hearths. And wherever there are hearths and fires, there are stories being told around them. And when people enjoy them, that does good for the heart of the storyteller, who is, after all, Henry Kuttner. Mm -hmm. He is telling us a story and we are captivated by it. And so we appreciate his appreciation of our vigorous reading. Those two Mm -hmm. things, the, the use of holes, gaps, aporia, and the focus on the importance of stories per se, makes this myth vivid for us in the present moment of our reading. Or so it seems to me
0: mm-hmm i i love um what as you point out what what isn't there that we automatically fill in um we know that the sindara is a king without knowing exactly that it you know could be a pope <laughs> right but we know it's a king um and we know that he has a horse it's a gorlak. <laughs> but it's not it's not um <laughs> it's not a, a horse because it's a reptile and what does it look like? Well, we fill in the blanks. It says, the Sindara rode west on his Gorlack, that fleet but repugnantly shaped reptile. Um, uh, for all we know, that the Sindara and his people are are reptiles as well. Right? right? We have no idea uh, what, they, what they're like. We know that the necromancers and the hydromancers who, in this just a brief tale we already know our sort of mortal enemies <laughs> they're always rivaling each other to try and uh, get get some sort of pos- po- political position or a social position um he dispenses with their <laughs> their tools this is hilarious right he he just takes he takes their advice he takes their their weapons rides off drops them and then I think, to me, the 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 funniest and funnest part of the whole story is when his god Vorvados um, <laughs> he consults Vorvados. I want to read this section because I think it it's 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 very rich, and I think that it's echoed uh, in other later passages as well. I mean, it, it, this story is literally three pages long, so. It's hard to imagine a lot of echoes, but I think they're there. So, here's how we meet Vorvados. After a time, he discarded both weapons and the hide of the Hydromancers and the Necromancers, for he was a worshipper of Vorvados, as had been each Sindara in his time. No, none might worship Vorvados save the Sindara of Yelbel Yarnak, for such is the God's command. I think that this is the funniest thing. <laughs> this is a religion, the opposite of almost all religions, in that it demands no more worshipers, right? One at a time only. <laughs> it's a very personal God, right? And when he consults the God, <laughs> he, there was a, 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 he, he sets to pray. And then for a time, there was no response. <laughs> then the sands were troubled. And whirling and dancing of mist motes blinded the Sindara. Out of the maelstrom, the god spoke thinly, and his voice was like the tinkling of countless tiny crystal goblets. So, this is the white noise, right, that you have when you're in the shower, (laughs) which sometimes can make you hear the phone ringing when it isn't, or the doorbell ringing when you're expecting uh, somebody to come. And Then the god says, thou goest to doom, Vorvados said ominously, but thy son sleeps in Beliarnac, and I shall have a worshiper when thou art vanished. <laughs> You're going to go die, but it's okay for me, because I got a worshiper in the, in the hopper here. Go, therefore, fearlessly, since God cannot conquer God, but only man who created him. In this line, God cannot conquer God but only man who created him. The only person who can defeat a god is the man who created the god. <laughs> and also referring to the half-god in the bottom of the pit.
1: Right? So that sort of raises a possible interpretation that the Sandara who rules over the people of bel keeps them in thrall by having created the eater of souls as well mm-hmm. as having created Vorvados, and having created both a life force and a death force but but you know eating is not a death thing that is if 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 i eat a chicken it it kills the chicken but it it adds life to me mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we see here that a, I, a I, I knew you would
0: love this story because of the eating. <clears throat> there's, so, there's so interesting a relationship between this eater of souls who sends bodies, uh, into, consumes the bodies, no, sends the bodies into space to do its bidding, into the cold wastes between the stars, and, and houses its souls in like a cloud behind it.
1: I thought I, I just thought, oh, Eric's gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a, a sense of group identity that's building here. Um, that is the Sandara, the, the Sandara, the father, not Sandara, the son. Uh, Sandara, open arms with open arms, and we think with open heart, accepts his merger into the ever-growing power of the eater of souls. He's doing what Vorvidos has told him to do, but but he created Vorvidos. So we really are in a father, son, and Holy Ghost situation here. Uh, nobody can worship Vorvidos except the Sandhara. Um, yes, that, that's a very odd religion. That's a very odd religion. <laughs> On the other hand, When Jesus says, there is no way to the father, but through me, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, there's something sort of common there, too. You can't worship the father directly if you take if you are moved to accept that line of the Gospels. Literally, you have to only get to the father through the son. Um, This is a this is a, a story that recalls many, many other stories, not only the monomyth, but specifically the notion of a triune God with the story of Jesus as an avatar of the monomyth. It also follows, at first it seems to follow, much of the language of fairy tale. You know, in a land far, far away in a time long ago, it uses silver and gold, and, you know, it's got these colors that you can't see, and something is just beautiful or ugly. We're not told the specifics. You know, it sort of starts out sounding like a fairy tale, but it turns out, I think, that the particular fairy tale we're getting is an Arabian Nights kind of fairy tale. And I don't mean viewed mm-hmm. from the standpoint of an Arab, but rather the standpoint of a Western European. This notion that Edward Said explored so well in his book on Orientalism, we in the West have used our own idea of what the, the Near East might be to create a strange fairy tale land, which is in fact the land of some of the very, very first Gothic novels like Vatek, which is set, you know, with, in the East with Eastern, I mean the Near East, with an Eastern witch and sorcerers and so on. I mean, here we have silver minarets. And when mm-hmm. the Sandara is on his way to meet the Eater of Souls, it says, as you just read, the se- the sands were troubled. Well, you know, he's looking out over his The land, the plain and the beautiful greenery and the joyous Mm -hmm. land. How come when this epic meeting occurs between the Sandara and the eating of souls, the sands were troubled? Because no matter what the oasis may be, the real landscape in which the god is moving is is Palestine it's 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 israel it's it's the near east it's it's that same landscape in which we've seen so many messiahs rise and presumably for some people uh, save the world and and bring mm-hmm. back bring back fertility as joseph predicted in uh, interpreting the dreams of the pharaoh
0: i i think there, uh, there's uh, there's um, a sexual element to it as well which is pretty funny because uh, I don't usually see that, but I'm like, yeah, it's there, <laughs> it's definitely there. Um, he decides that the best way to defeat his enemy is not with his sword anymore, but rather to embrace him. Mm-hmm. Right? He flung wide his arms and welcomed the ghastly embrace. And of course, this other creature is like a spider, right? Or it has multiple legs, anyways, and has ghastly eyes, and white. And then the thing sprang to meet him, <laughs> and an intolerable agony ground frightfully within Sindara's bone and flesh. And then, as he's turning into the into the um, into the pit, right before he falls into the pit, into the gulf, the void of of the uh, which which is also the birthing place of the nearest moon, mm. right. Um, <laughs> he turns back there were tears in his eyes a gnawing ache in his heart for the silver minarets and towers that had lain naked and beautiful beneath the glowing light of the triple moons it's it's funny because it's almost as if the eater of souls is it's calling to people in the city looking for sexual lovers like a like a spider woman or something right and can't find anyone to satisfy it and finally the sindara ah, i've got to go do it interesting and and takes takes away this this monster by joining with it right the half god
1: i think the underlying erotism that you're pointing to is is certainly there i think the importance of the sindara having a son who will continue the worship of vorvidos Um, You can't have a son without procreation. There is a sense of genesis here, of generation. Uh, And I like the idea that he puts away his sword and flings his arms open wide. Um, There is the reason I say erotism is that if one looks at the, the symbolism here. Um, the places where we see the sharp pointy things and the places where we see the, the open things, um, the, the, the nesting things, as you say, the, 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 the great, the gray gorge, um, on Bel Yarnak, um, the gray gulf, um, is the birthing place of the moon, which of course for us is, uh, the place of, is a symbol of romance. And there are three of them here. Right, it's triple <laughs> moons. The the last paragraph of all, and the wall cliff wall curved inward as it swept down. So presently it receded. That is, with the Sandara falling down into this. So presently it receded into the dim gray haze, and the Sandara fell in empty mist and into final unstirring darkness. It's it is simultaneously a womb return. And Mm -hmm. the possibility of giving new birth, because we know that he's going to become part of the augmented, newly uh, empowered uh, eater of souls or multiplex God. Uh, I I like that. All of this is it's not male or female, but it's it's erotic. It is sex. And it's it's poised at this wonderful moment. Uh, It says the battle of that battle sagas are still sung. For it raged along the brink that is of the great gray gulf. It raged along the brink for a timeless interval of eternity, mm-hmm. a timeless interval of eternity. What is an interval of eternity? What we have here is an absolutely crucial moment. That is, it is the crux. All history stops, right? Time becomes endless and instantaneous and instantaneous. Of course sagas are still sung. They will be sung forever because this is a moment out of time. It's the moment simultaneously of being male and female, alive and dead, dying and procreating. It's all of those things. That's what souls are good for. The eating of souls amazingly gives life.
0: Maybe turns the planet even green. That this whole story is told in retrospect, right? When the, the when the planet is still, it's still young, it's still green, it's still in its lusty youth. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of of the Sindara story, it is a sort of a gray gulf and a sandy desert up to it. Sure, there's the shining city, but it's almost as if the, gr- the green of the earth was caused by this joining.
1: And that is why it is joyous.
0: Mm-hmm. But there's always more to say.